you're listening to The Private Citizen, a podcast for critical thinkers. This is episode 138 for Wednesday, the 28th of December, 2022. The year 2022 in review. Hey everybody, my name is Fab. I'm coming to you from Düsseldorf, from the Fab Industries offices. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. This is the last episode of the year, and as is uh, customary by now, um, I'm doing a year in review episode. Um, that's always that's always what I do as the last episode of the year, where I look at all the episodes I've published uh, and released uh, in in that year, and um, you know I've sorted them um, by topics, and we have a little bit of a look um, at what topics were discussed and kind of characterize the year um, through the lens of the podcast um, because obviously um, this podcast has shifted in its topics uh, quite a lot. It was originally in, in envisioned as a privacy podcast but then you know the, the pandemic hit and there were other issues and it, it it's moved somewhat to to you know a, a podcast about uh, civil civil liberties and stuff like that. Of course, there's always a healthy dose of um, media analysis because you know I'm a journalist and, and I'm interested in what the media does and actually quite crit critical of a lot of my colleagues. And um, so things have been shifting around, and so every year um, things change a bit. And um, yeah, that's what we're going to do today. And um, then with that episode, um, I will um, lay down my arms <laughs> for this year and i'll be back in january i don't know when yet probably like the second week of january maybe um and then we'll um uh you know the podcast will be back to normal and there'll be uh there'll be more episodes and and, and at normal reschedules but more on that um in a little bit there's no live stream of this i'm pre-recording this live streams will also return in the new year um, but without further ado, let's um, let's get into uh, the year 2022 and let's 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 review the year. So first of all, I feel um, we'll, we'll we have to have a little bit of a meta analysis. So I've linked, if you go to the show notes, Private Citizen of Press, if you go to the show notes for episode 138, um, I've linked to the uh, previous year in review uh, episodes here. And um, I have to note that um, in the first year of a podcast, I released 50 episodes. It wasn't a full year because the podcast started in February. Um, and then in the second year, I released 53 episodes. So that means that this year there was, um, as I've talked about often on the show, a sharp decline in episodes this year. So I only managed, including this episode you're listening to right now, I managed to release 35 episodes, um, which was down to several factors, um, mostly to me uh, going on holiday a lot, because obviously in the pandemic um, there wasn't much happening. And this year um, things started to go back to normal and I did a... Uh, long motorbike tour with my dad to the uh, North, North Cup, um, North Cape up on the northern tip of Norway. And then my wife uh, also wanted to go on holiday with me, um, amazingly, because we hadn't basically hadn't done that in about two years, really. Um, like, um, yeah, 
uh, in the year before that, you know, last year we actually uh, uh, we, we kind of went on holiday, but she was actually working there, so it wasn't really, yeah, wasn't really a holiday, and it's all a bit difficult. And 2020, of course, was a difficult year, and so you know, I went on a lot of holidays, so that cut into my podcasting time. But there were also other factors. Um, one factor being that I took on um, several jobs this year that um, were relatively time-consuming and relatively inflexible in in the time. You know, I'm a freelance journalist, so I do um, uh, I do all kinds of stuff, but like um, it's it's always changing a bit. And this year, I took on a lot of jobs that were um, too inflexible for my taste, but I kind of needed to make money, so I didn't really have a choice. Uh, but I'm trying to not do that last year, uh, next year. It was also stuff that. Um, some of it wasn't really fun um, to me, so uh, yeah, I'm 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 expecting that to change. Yeah, and then there were some some other factors. I mean, my uh, my grandmother died uh, at a hundred years old this year, and before that, obviously, I spent a lot of time with her, um, as much time as I could. So that also cut into the time I had. Um, yeah, and and you know it, it all comes together with the fact that I've actually been getting into um, exercise quite a lot. I've been um, this year. I've been pretty steadily been able to uh, run um, at least twice a week. I've been doing um, some weightlifting and some other exercises. Um, I'm just at home, but you know I'm uh, I'm, I'm I've tried to um, not sacrifice um, exercise time. Uh, for work um, because I don't think that is healthy and you know I'm um, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn 40 here next year and you know it's um, that's the time when you realize that you can't um, you can't live your life like you used to when you were in your 20s when basically you can eat whatever you want and your metabolism would just you know just you know you wouldn't get fat and you would just yeah. yeah. Anyway, in my thirties, I, I started to get fat, and you know, this was kind of my 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 wake up call there a few years ago uh, when the pandemic hit, and then uh, um, I had more time. I started to dedicate time to that, and um, I'm quite happy with that. And I don't want uh, anything to eat into that time. So you know, all of that um, caused the fact that I didn't release. Um, you know, my plan for this podcast is to le- release an episode a week, not necessarily an episode every week, but uh, one episode for every week of the year, um, which you know means fifty-two episodes. Uh, I only managed thirty-five this year, so um, we'll have to do better. And I, I plan to do that. Um, and I actually plan to next year to make up for these lost episodes. We'll see. I mean, they're they're piling up. So um, I've actually started doing that at the end of this year. Um, Sometimes successfully, sometimes not so successfully, but you know, I'm all still, um, it's still a goal. I don't know if I can reach it, but it's something I aspire to. Um, and that's just important to me. Um, so yeah, this year was the first year I failed in this goal to, to do uh, an episode every week of the year. Um, interestingly, despite of this, uh, the, the show's listenership has. I wouldn't say exploded, but it's it it it. Uh, actually, I haven't looked at it for a long time, and I looked at it in preparing this episode. I'm somebody who you know I'm I'm not that interested in that kind of thing. Um, you know, when I did my first podcast, Linux Outlaws, which a lot more people listen to than to this one, but um, you know, I was at some point very interested in the numbers, but you know, I uh, that is not my the driving factor for me for to doing this podcast. I do it because I like doing it, and also because I think it's very important. 
Um, you know, which is also why the topics shift, right? They shift to whatever I think is important at the moment. And, you know, with input, um, we had a feedback feedback episode, uh, last episode, and you realized how that kind of worked if, you, if you're new to the show, right? I, I, I kind of tried to take interests of uh, my producers, i.e. the listeners that pitch in um, with, with feedback um, or else or otherwise, um, I can't track that into account, so that's why things shift around. But anyway, so um, in the first year, so this is this is not an exact science. Um, getting um, listenership numbers for a podcast has always been hard um, because generally what you get is um, uh, a pretty good, um, you know, if you run your own server or you have some analytics software, you get a pretty decent idea for how many um, – you get a good idea of how many people download the episode. That doesn't mean they, they listen to it. You get a pretty good idea of how many people w visit your website, right? And how many unique, you know, machines, basically, you see. But, you know, that doesn't mean anything either because people could be going there with their phone and their, and their you know, their, their desktop computer or whatever. Um, so it's it's not an exact science. Um I'm 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 doing guesstimates here based on you know um, almost uh, is it 15 years in the industry so to speak of of looking at this stuff. It's it's gotten a bit harder uh, for me personally here because I am um, you know doing things where I comply with the GDPR and stuff like that. So I'm 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 not actually collecting a lot of I actually for a long time before this also I did, before the GPI even existed I'm not collecting as much information as as other podcasts are that use like I don't use analytics software or whatever I basically just have server statistics um, from my website and from the server where the files are on you know the Bitemark server um, but I only keep the data for thirty days um, and I um, you know I can only analyze kind of that information but you know. That being said, the numbers I have for this podcast are internally consistent. I don't know how, you know, how c close to realities these numbers are. That is kind of a guesstimate, but um, they are at least internally consistent. So actually, when I say you know the listeners actually sharply increased this year, I know that. I just don't know if my numbers are like really correct. You know, it's so you know that's just as a, a hat um, so you understand the statistics because we like to um think for ourselves here on the podcast and i like uh, for you to do that as well just don't take my what i say here as, as a you know as, as written law you know handed down from the god emperor to you um so in the first year uh, of the show i was estimating about 2000 to 3000 listeners so this is always by the end of the year um and this is like, you know, some episodes obviously will have many, many more people downloading it. Some some have less. And it's kind of like an average. And it's it's not the downloads. This is what I actually, this is combined with the actual uh, unique visits on the website and the, the downloads and what I think are the listeners. The thing, problem with the downloads is also there are a lot of platforms out there that people listen, pot, you know, that I see that my podcasts are aggregated on. Or my podcast is I only do one podcast at the moment, um, which is as much as I can handle, as you can tell. But you know, um, there is um, they they so some of these actually um, download the episode from my server and like cache it or whatever, or keep it on their server. So so you know there might actually be more people um, listening there, and I'm kind of trying to take that into account. Anyway, the first year we had about two thousand to three thousand listeners. That was by the end of 2020. Uh, 
by the end of oh so if you can hear that the police just is going past um by the end of uh, 2021 it was about 4000 to 5000 listeners and now uh, at the end of this year we are at just over 10000 so that is kind of interesting because it means um the podcast has kind of doubled its listenership during this year even though i released less episodes um but you know i think it's probably word of mouth or whatever um Interestingly, I haven't seen a um, increase in support of the podcast, like monetary support or producer support. Um, you know, people writing in, actually. Um, that's been pretty much the same as last year. But I feel like that's because that's the hardcore listeners and the increase is just new people that are probably not writing in uh, or whatever. But I want to, if you're listening to this and you haven't been listening to the show for long, um, I want uh, to encourage you to write in, you know, the information is on privatism.press um, in the show notes. And, um, you know, if you have just have comments or whatever, or if you're just writing in to say you're listening, you're listening this is very much appreciated. Because I'm kind of, as you can tell with the numbers here, I'm just taking a step in the, in the dark. And I like to know who's listening to the show. And I, you know, I'm, a, I'm actually a nice guy, <laughs> even though some people may don't think that's the case because I guess I come across it's pretty severe at times. But, you know, I, I'm very happy when people write me and I'm generally, you know, nice guy and I write nice messages back. Um, or you could also just go to the forum and uh, sign up there. You know, it's also linked in the show notes. It's the forum.fab.industries is the domain that, that there's lots of listeners hang out there and we have some interesting discussions, um, which is really cool. It's a really nice little community. But anyway, so, um, yeah, that, that now means those approximately 10,000 listeners, maybe a little bit more, means that um, I'm coming up to almost a third of the listenership of Linux Outlaws back in the day, which is interesting, which is my by far my most listened to podcast. Um, and that was, um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Of course, it's... Um, in one way a bit disappointing because podcasts since then have taken off massively and there are podcasts with millions of listeners now uh, but you know I mean th this is a niche thing um, Linux is a niche thing and I think doing a podcast for people who can think for themselves these days is even more niche so you know it's kind of my own fault also I'm not like I'm not looking at, like I look at these numbers basically once a year I'm not like man well maybe two three times a year I'm not, you know, I'm not dependent on that because I don't, I don't make money from, from advertisers, right? So I don't have to tell all these people, um, what, you know, I don't have to tell anybody uh, how many listeners I have to to get money or whatever, right? You're doing that and you're supporting the show, so I'm doing the show for you. But I think, you know, once a year, it's kind of nice uh, out of. You know, just transparency, I think, you know, for people to, to know what's going on, um, to talk about this. Um, I mean, if the numbers would have gone down, I would have talked about this as well. Um, and yeah, but I'm, I'm kind of happy with that. I'm, that's, a, that's a comfortable listenership. That means that people are interested in what I'm doing here. And I think that's, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. Um, now, before we get into the topics and into what I did this year, um, I have another side note uh, here. Um, I did not do 
uh, interview episodes this year. So interview means, you know, in previous years I had people on the show. It wasn't so much an interview. Often like when Mike was on the show, we were just having a discussion basically. It's more like a co-host situation. Um, that has not happened this year. Um, this is not because I didn't try. Um, I've, I've had mostly issues finding people who are to, interesting to me and I think are interesting to the show and ha- who are also... Uh, willing to talk to me which is also a problem i think um but um i also had some cases where um i could have gotten somebody on the show but we had scheduling issues either on the side of the other person or because you know i had you know i you know i had scheduling issues this year because of the jobs and the holidays and all, all this kind of stuff uh, I'm trying to rectify that as well next year. So if if you know anybody you you think is interesting and would be willing to talk to me about topics interesting to the show or interesting to you, please use the feedback um, possibilities. Write me an email or whatever, and I will try to make it happen. Uh, with that being said, let's get into the 34 you know regular episodes aside from this one, kind of you know, um, that I released this year. And let's look at the topics. At first here, um, I have the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic, which is kind of was the big topic in on the podcast last year and which I kind of want on this year. Um, I did one episode, episode 104 in the beginning uh, about triage and about that stupid triage law that we had the past year in Germany where um, basically, <laughs> um, as I titled the episode, triage is too logical for Germans um, because, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was just a stupid, that was a stupid thing, stupid law. Uh, and then I had another episode, episode 106, where for the second time on the podcast, I tried concluding the coronavirus coverage and this time it kind of worked. And I think it also was a good call um, because um, we saw at the beginning of this year how the pandemic lost massively in importance um, on society on society and in the media um which got replaced by the next topic we want to talk about the war in ukraine but b- before i go into that it's maybe important to mention that of course the pandemic is still important more so now for almost historical reasons because um a lot of laws were passed and groundwork was laid um to um severely limit people's civil liberties but also freedom of speech a lot of the um freedom of speech issues that i've been talking about now are being justified you know with websites and and companies and um even in some cases governments uh, censoring people um one of the big uh, major uh, arguments for that is now always medical misinformation uh, which is kind of like the child porn argument in IT security. Um, and it is as bullshit because as we talked about mostly last year, um, there was actually wasn't that much medical misinformation. There was, I'm always, inc- I always, I'm almost inclined to say alternative facts, which, you know, I talked about facts on the show a lot, which often there are alternative facts. Um, it's not a stupid word that Trump invented, um, you know, for, uh, for for lying or propaganda. There actually are alternative facts because we have, we in, especially in the pandemic, we had a situation where experts weren't agreeing with each other, but the public opinion mainstream politicians and, and the media um, quickly decided on... Um, 
to just arbitrarily trust some people, like for example the WHO, right? And then what the WHO said was, was law, even though the WHO themselves were often saying they don't know, and you know they went, you know, with masks. They, they I think they flip flopped two or three times. You know, at first they said masks were important, then they said they weren't important, then they were important again. Um, so like in a situation where the WHO said masks weren't important weren't important when you said masks were important that was medical misinformation which it wasn't because it was just a different different information basically um not even an opinion often this was based on research this was just conflicting research but because people don't understand how science works i did an episode on that um it is all well that was last year was that yeah that was last year but like um they don't they don't understand that they think science is always like there's always one fact in science you can in with every topic you can go down to the scientific consensus and that is true people understand don't understand that that's not the case especially in developing situations so um a lot of these um things that came in during the pandemic will be important to us much further in the future and when i say like Concluding coronavirus coverage, I was specifically thinking about the SARS-CoV-2 specific laws. And, you know, that was a good call because we had none of that this year. We It was all war in Ukraine. Um, so that worked out very well. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to cover the implications of what has happened. For example, as I recently said, I'm planning an episode based on our Canadian producers about what has happened in Canada and, you know, the the um the civil civil liberties that have been curtailed there and like very important laws that came in there that were all based on stuff like this like the pandemic but you know a, a different topic so i'm still going to cover that anyway let's let's start with the war in ukraine we had that end of february um i did my first episode on it episode 109 i think this was in the very beginning of march yeah the third of march um this was agate prop ahoy i did take uh, february off um to to write my novel um it finished yeah i finished the manuscript of my novel which also means when we when you get into the special episodes in a bit um that i skipped the two-year anniversary episode that i just didn't do anything for that um so yeah I, I'm, I still already have plans for the three-year anniversary anniversary the three-year anniversary episode god i need more i'm recording this in the morning it's a problem mm need more coffee to get the brain working um the three-year anniversary episode i have an idea to have make do a special episode there in february so i will be doing that but anyway it's sort of one ukraine that first episode agate prop ahoy a uh, lot lot about propaganda um obvious uh, propaganda then i did episode 112 where i looked at what does putin want basically the russian war goals um where I I think, as we can already say, um, correctly predicted that um, this wasn't a blitzkrieg situation. Um, you know, blitzkrieg, not really, as I also discussed, not a scientific term. Uh, Putin uh, w wasn't going for a, Preuss for, for a Preußisch-Deutscher Bewegungskrieg, you know, Prussian-German um, agility warfare, whatever you want to call it. It's like the scientific term. Um, but was was settling in for the long haul and, and I think that's what we're seeing right now um, and in a similar vein episode 115 a second winter war where people are kind of saying okay this is kind of like the winter war between Finland and the Soviets and how Finland like as a small country beat them back um, I was kind of um, 
analyzing like the parallels that were there so um that the the uh the, the Russian invasion um or this invasion push right the actual war as I often said started eight years earlier but like this um this this renewed attack um towards Kiev was um ill-fated because they did kind of the same mistake they did in the winter war where they where they thought um large parts of the population would see them as liberators and that's why it you know they they didn't actually prepare an invasion but more of like a liberation um kind of thing right and that um the analysis of of this uh in especially also the western media was so flawed because we still remember like the the last gulf war you know where the where the american tanks were just crawling through the desert and they're just like casually shooting up um the 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 you know the iraqi tanks and then just just moving in basically unopposed um and that's usually not how war, wars work but we're kind of pre conditioned i think because those were the last wars we're kind of like preconditioned that this is how things work now which is not true um i mean sometimes they work like this uh the the nazi german invasion of france was very much also like this where people were expecting france to hold up a lot longer and then like you know rommel and his his tank armies just just like rolled through um and yeah so so i i analyzed that and then i did uh of course episode 125 um uh, a little bit later uh in the year uh, just a few months ago uh, when the Nord Stream thing happened right i did an episode on that and that's of course uh, so that was in september end of september that is also uh, connected of course to the um to the war in ukraine so those were the episodes i did on the war in ukraine um since then of course the war has obviously settled down into a uh, standoff uh, into a long-term situation that, as I predicted and I still predict, will be with us for years to come. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's definitely some ep- some more episodes I want to do on that. It's just like, um, you know, I have a lot of episodes in my list of episodes that I want to do and not not enough time. But I I definitely want to do an analysis on um, where we are at the moment, uh, where things are going. Um, especially with the like what is happening with the weapons um uh supply from the west to ukraine um yevgeny in the forum uh, i read a I read a forum thread this morning um where he was describing this as um uh, comparing it to world war 2 and the land lease program that the allies had so where they you know basically um the the British and the U.S. were shipping military hardware through the North Atlantic, right? This is why the the U, the submarine warfare was so important, the U-boat warfare, um, to Murmansk. So, or and also the other way around through the Pacific, um, and also um, the Americans were doing this for the British, right? So they were um, they had a land lease program for uh, merchant ships that the German submarines sunk, where land lease basically means you're building weapons. And then, um, I mean, the, the actual terms, like you're, you're, you're like giving them, you're giving a, the other country that you're like allies with this 
in wartime basically for free and the assumption is that they'll pay you back once they win the war um in reality you're basically just giving them weapons for free uh at least that was the case in world war ii that wasn't really ever paid back um but it's also a win for the country giving out the weapons of course because you know um it kind of um fires up your economy right a huge part of the american economy for example is to produce weapons so um, even if they're not selling them it's still good for the economy and you know it's a quid pro quo so even if they're not giving you the money back um if they win the war they'll give you contracts to rebuild or whatever i mean that's what the americans have all, always done and also germany germany's been uh very um very uh like the german economy has been in parts dependent on this kind of thing where uh, on no agenda adam curry always calls it rubbleizing when you basically have the americans go in and just reduce a country to rubble uh, and then we go in after the war is over with them and like our german companies start building things right they'll refineries and factories and, and whatever um and the companies like hochtief you know the company that builds like buildings will just you know build shit in in uh in afghanistan and stuff like that um and yeah that's how um that's that i, f- I found that an interesting uh an, an analogy by by evgeny uh there to say this is kind of land lease and i think this is also something i should should further uh investigate now while i say that i re- i realize that that's not on my list so I'm going to do that live on the show. I have like this, um, um, like I'm, I'm old school. I have like a paper notebook, right? And I have, I have podcast ideas. Um, and there's a lot of stuff on there. Uh, so we'll put uh, Ukraine war slash weapons land lease. Um so yeah, I think that's a that's a, that's a topic we'll we'll have to investigate in the future. But back to the to the stuff um, we have been talking about. So the next topic is one. This turned out to be a big topic this year, but basically it's just been the end of the year. The end of the year. This is just a big tech story for the year. Um, has just been Twitter. So it's Elon Musk Twitter, the Twitter file. So episode one sixteen, where people were talking about Musk buying Twitter. I did an episode on that about Elon Musk, about what I think about Elon Musk and what it means for him to buy Twitter um, and the reaction of, like, you know, the left, you know, rather left-leaning, Democrat-leaning journalists in the US and, and over here as well in Germany, uh, kind of, or in Europe, their commentary on that. Um, then we did episode 129, what happens when Elon Musk buys Twitter. This was immediately before... Musk bought Twitter. I analyzed what would happen. Then in episode 132, Twitter melts down. Musk had bought Twitter. And, and I did an analy- analysis of that, of the layoffs and all of that. And then, of course, um, 133, uh, next, the next episode, uh, A Blessing and a Curse, I talked about the Fediverse because everybody, um, as I call it now, the great Mastodon migration, people are abandoning um, Twitter for Mastodon. I don't know how final that that's going to be but i analyzed some of the um the you know what the fatty worst means with some of my background because you know obviously i've been into microblogging for a very long time and you know i was um very um 
interested in the 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 first you know tries to create federated microblogging status.net identica so the stuff that the activity pub protocol that is now running the fediverse um came out of so i did an analysis of that um, and then of course um recently i did two episodes on the twitter files uh, 135 136 and we will continue this. Um, there's still lots of things in the Twitter files that I didn't get to that we'll have to tackle next year. So the whole Twitter topic um, will be... I mean, this also turned into like basically the FBI and, and censorship by intelligence services in the US. So that's, that's going to... I predict that's still going to be a massive topic for me next year. Uh, also because it's so... So it's not just not being covered by the media correctly, I, th- I feel like, as, as they should be. Mm. I feel like it should get the same attention that the Snowden files did. Um, But, of course, it isn't. Um, Then, of course, I did episodes on Drachenlord, uh, my favorite YouTuber. Um, That was irony, by the way. Um, So, episode 110, Drachenlord on tour, uh, about him selling his house and um, traveling around in his car. Uh, Then, episode 113, Lex Draconis, where basically I talked about um, him not getting convicted, not going to jail, and and what that means for the wider landscape of um, social networks and freedom of speech in 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 Germany, and you know hate speech and stuff like that, um, and 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 you know I think also Europe because Germany massively influences the EU and things like this. Um, and then episode one twenty two, Drachenlord defeated uh, about him, you know, having lost his car, his driver's license, his car. And basically all of his accounts, social media accounts, where he could upload things. And then, of course, we took up this um, topic again in the previous episode um, where I did a little update, although I haven't linked that here um, in in this list of episodes. Then we had a, um, a topic, censorship and the culture wars, that, that's been running through the podcast for years now, pretty much almost since the beginning. Um, the... Um, the political divide that is going through pretty much all Western nations, as far as I can tell, um, between, um, I mean, the general politically divide, political divide between like Republican conservatives, right wing people, left wing progressive Democrat people, whatever you want to call this. This is, of course, not a clear divide, but I think that there that there's a divide there is obvious, and the the problems that come with that, especially censorship problems, where basically people on the left side of the argument um, seem to be increasingly pro-censorship, which is a historic um, 380... 380? 180, sorry. <laughs> it's a historic 180, still not enough coffee, um, from how things used to be when I was growing up, right, in the 80s and the 90s, the left uh, being uh, vehemently against censorship and right-wing conservative people being rather not like pro-censorship per se, but like there were more um, the guys or gals who were, you know, who were... um, um, (sighs) who l- liked or um as, as i'm trying i'm trying to put this in the right words um 
who are for more state control of things, right? More justice, law and order, stuff like that. And that also often included some forms of censorship or of curtailing freedom of speech in certain situations. Now, this has turned around um, where now the left is actually in favor. And this is what I think the culture wars are in essence. It's not so much about cancel culture and about um, that kind of thing, but it's about... If I should if I should have to boil it down to one point, I would say it's about people of a certain political persuasion um, being okay with silencing people that don't agree with them, and it's always those people. They are generally not. They are generally against this kind of thing when it happens to their own, right? So, um, I mean, one one topic on this divide is for example that's been discussed right now in Germany a lot is like climate change and how um, you know um, how it's suddenly a problem if climate change activists are beholden to these to the rule of law and you know when the police goes and arrest them because they do things that are illegal it's suddenly now that is a problem whereas um, it's always argued that by the same people that the police is not doing enough against right-wing people and not arresting them enough or whatever, even though in some cases they're actually not doing anything illegal. Um, so it's like this this hypocrisy um, that's there. And I feel the culture wars are somewhat a, um, uh, a, a, a result of this a feeling that certain people, and they tend to be on more on the left as, as least you know with my biases we talked about that in the last episode again with my biases and and my view of the world um it seems to be more on the on on this left progressive thing uh, uh, side of the 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 political spectrum there seems to be this idea that there on a given topic there's an absolute truth and and science says this and that means that if you're against that you're against science you you are um, spreading misinformation and you should be cancelled. Um, and this goes hand in hand with an interesting like, kind of obedience to the state that generally the left and progressive people, in my experience, until like maybe 10, 15 years ago, didn't exhibit. Um, and it, I am very, very critical of this because not only is this often hypocritical and often this this call for like arresting people, silencing people, this kind of thing is uh, banning them on social networks, blocking them on master, you know, all this kind of thing um, is only in one political direction. And when, when it's applied in the other direction, it's a problem. And I, I resist this hypocrisy. Um, it goes against anything I stand for. And I think it goes against, uh, that's against the rule of law. And it's against that. That is not justice. And I'm, I'm, I, uh, I bristle uh, under that. Like I don't. I think this is a big problem um, that that we are facing. And it's also um, goes hand in hand with the misunderstanding of how censorship. This, these people think that you know the other side is spreading misinformation, and that might actually be the case. Sometimes it is misinformation. Sometimes it is propaganda. But but there's propaganda from all sides, right? That's another thing. When it's Ukrainian war propaganda, it's okay. The Russian war propaganda is propaganda. Um, but they have a misunderstanding that censoring that and, and deleting that off the internet helps. and actually helps democracy. Where, you know, if you, if you actually done some 
democracy theory and looked at how this kind of thing applied in the past, you know, in Germany, the Weimar Republic, and how this enabled the Nazis to come to power, it's actually the other way around. If you censor your political opponents, it destroys democracy. And it's not about it's not about what you're censoring, if that is right or wrong. Um, that is not the point. The act of censorship is what destroys the 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 belief in democracy you know the 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 um the, and also the democratic principles and this is also coupled with an with a misunderstanding by a lot of these people as i've talked about before um they are constantly labeling things as as fact that are not facts right they will often label statistics as facts whereas statistics is a is an analysis of data that is not a fact that it could, it can be right it can be wrong you know well um, done statistics have built in a, a margin of error, which already tells you that it's not a, um, a fact. It is, you know, it's not a hard and fast rule. It is a um, a degree of of essentially being true, right? So if you have statistics and you say the margin of error is like I don't know two percent, um, then then there is error in there, right? There's two percent maybe error in there. So it's not completely the truth. And these people will label these things as facts and as truth, like fact checkers and people like that will label this thing. They don't understand how facts work, uh, which is a big problem, right? And they will label things like computer simulations as facts, which they aren't. They're a simulation. They can, they're, they're biased by the people who program it. They have limitations. Like computer simulations are even worse than uh, than uh, statistics because I mean they they are based based on statistics often but often they don't give you an indication of a margin of error, um, right? Uh, and th that is that is a huge problem and that is also coupled with the fact that a lot of these people don't understand how science works. They think that that there's a like I've had this argument a lot, including with people in my family, um, uh, often about climate change. Where like an argument in the press is often, uh, you know, X scientists or X percent of scientists agree, um, which is like you can say that, but that's not a scientific argument. And I, I'm very, I'm extremely wary of scientists who use that as a scientific argument because it is not like meter meter papers and meter studies and this, these kinds of things. Um, they can be useful in certain extents, but like they're not an indication of if something is true or not. Um, there have been many instances in in scientific uh, history where 98% of scientists agreed on something, and one guy came around and and turned it around, and it turned out to be wrong. So um, that has often been used as a shorthand argument by people who don't understand sci science, and they don't want to. They don't want to get into the weeds. They want, don't want to read the papers. They don't want to understand what's going on. They just say 89% of people agree. Um, and some, if somebody says that you are, this almost it's like a stamp of misapproval, so to say. It's like a stamp of I do not understand how science works. Um, you know, I, I, I am. I am okay with scientists going, um, well, we, for now, the, you know, at the moment, the scientific consensus, I mean, climate change is like, okay, the scientific consensus is that man-made climate change exists. That is okay. It's okay to say that. It's okay to use that as a shorthand for further discussion. The problem is when you go and say, well, it's a fact because of that, right? Because that is not a fact. Um, because all of this scientific research could be wrong. 
I'm not saying it is, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm aware when you actually read a lot of the research, I'm extremely wary of a lot of the research because in this specific case, a lot of it is based on uh, computer simulations. And I'm sorry, there will be some people listening here who are maybe like, you know, computational biologists or whatever um, that don't agree with me. But, you know, um, I never, un in, you know, I never studied any of this. But in my opinion, um, a, um, a computer simulation is not a scientific, I have to, I have to very, very specific here. It's not scientific proof. It is a method that can be extremely useful and is being used in all kinds of science and and also other things like you know um computing computing like so you can do like a computer simulation of traffic flow like on on a highway and then you can actually build like an intersection that works a lot better because the simulation is helpful and you know it's good for this kind of thing but it's not good to prove something because that it's not an experiment that is it's not a um it's not an empiric experiment it's not based on um on observing nature and observing facts you are built you are like um artificially building a, a model right you are you and you are building that based on your own biases they're always built on the biases of the researchers and you can refine them you can get different researchers with different biases but like if none of these if none of these researchers is aware of a certain parameter um, that might influence what you're trying to model extremely like to a to big degree but none of them is aware of this because maybe it's not been researched or it's just been overlooked if that's not built into the model then the model is inher inherently flawed and i think that will always happen because like nature is so extremely complex right it's like these these people built computer models for 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 the climate of the planet which is an extremely complex system that's not been researched to an extent where where i think you could go and say well this actually models it's like building a model for the human brain it's such a complex system that we know so very little about or like the heart right People go like, oh, yeah, the heart's been researched. It's been like, yeah. there is like my wife, this is why I know this topic. My wife does background research on neurons in the heart, right? And there's been cells that were discovered in the last five years that we, that are in the heart that are we are now pretty sure doing very important things. We don't really know what, but like five years ago, we didn't know that the cell type existed. So in, 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 in science, there are constantly new things are being discovered. The same thing goes with the pandemic, right? One of the reasons why we didn't really, couldn't really figure out how this virus works is because we know very little about the immune system. We know we knew a lot about the things about the SARS-CoV-2 virus because the virus is, at the end of the day, relatively, it's not, I mean, it's hugely complex, but compared to how the the, the the human body works it's it's not complex at all right you can you can very quickly gene sequence it and and then okay then you have the problem that you don't know what some of the genes do like what kind of proteins they encode what the proteins do so it's all very complex but like the actual complex things the fucking human immune system which we figured out like two years ago that that we know very little about either so anyway that was that was going that was a huge aside that i was just basically trying to explain um, how flawed this argument is.
you know, that you can have, that we can know the ultimate truth about things, that 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 things are either information or misinformation, because the the people, so so the government decides things based on what's in the press, and journalists decide these things based on some fact-checking organizations, and the people working at these fact-checking organizations don't understand this kind of thing. They don't, they, lots of these people don't understand how scientific research works. They are in the business of, if, of determining if, if a fact is true or false. And they are under the illusion often that that can even be decided to like a, you know, I mean, if you're going to do it statistically, yes, you can decide it to a certain margin of error, right? But you like saying this is true or not, which is often that that's just like a shortcut that people do in everyday life. But that shouldn't be the basis on to, um, uh, you know, uh, for, for, for deciding for, for, for deciding rules that 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 impact all of our society. I mean, good example we just talked about was the in, in, in the previous episodes uh, was the Hunter by Laptop story, which when it came out and, you know, producers said this as a comment to the show and I agree with them when it came out it looked like bullshit it looked like Rudy Giuliani who is a very unappetizing person prepared a propaganda drop and this is how newspaper has acted on it and 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 there were fact checkers at the time who said this is Russian misinformation based on some letter from some intelligence agency. So they were basically going, "Hey, well, the professional liars say this is a, this the the enemy is lying to us. Well, that must be it must be true, right?" And then two years later, it turns out, well, the fucking everybody has to admit, well, it was actually legitimate. It was legitimate information. Um, so what I'm just saying is, this this this. This this side of the culture war, I think it doesn't matter which political side. The people who are advocating for um, these um, censorship blanket bans of people, even like me tooing people, right outside of the um, outside of the process of the law. These people are always doing things outside of the process of the law. If somebody that has sexual... I'm talking about Europe here, right? Where I understand the laws. I don't, you know, I'm not going to comment on the US or whatever. Let's let's talk Germany because I'm German. If somebody does sexual harassment in Germany, it's a crime. And we have laws about this. The police, the state has to investigate. It's a crime. You can go to jail for this kind of thing. Um, same thing with hate speech. Hate speech is a crime. It's criminal... It's it's a criminal um, uh, thing, right? It's it's uh, the, the state has an has uh, must investigate these kind of things and does, and these people are going in a very undemocratic way, circumventing the rule of law and extrajudicially deciding that people should be punished for things that have not been decided in a court, um, you know, and whether that is censoring stuff or um, you know just kicking people off Twitter or whatever that is inherently very wrong and very dangerous I feel and there is an argument that you know rape and and sexual assault um, is not being investigated enough and there's not enough indictments but the the democratic way of solving this within the rule of law is to change these laws and to change criminal uh, investigations to change the police or whatever um, that is the real. That is the way to go about it. 
Same with climate change. If you think the we're all going to die and, and our kids, I don't have any kids, but your kids are going to die and our um, our culture needs, or our society needs to change drastically, then you have to go through democracy. You have to convince people of this and they have to vote for people and then the government has to make laws. You can't just go, I mean, you can and glue yourself to something and then, I mean, that's a valid way of protest in in the democratic system but we have rules about that like we have rules how you can do this and if you break those rules the poli police is gonna arrest you that's how the rule of law works right so i'm extremely wary against these people going these extrajudicial ways right um that's gonna hurt us in the long run and i think that's a that's a big part of the the culture war so we'll be uh to cut this short well it wasn't really short but we'll we'll be talking about this a lot on the show uh, in coming coming years i think i think this is the biggest problem we're facing um and i i think i'm this podcast is shifting towards a more of a, a freedom of speech censorship uh civil liberties podcast from a privacy podcast because i feel lots of our privacy problems are stemming from this as well right and our uh and especially our future privacy problems will be from this. i mean there are privacy problems that are somewhat the um surveillance capitalism um side of things and and i will start looking at that i'll be looking at corporations and what they do wrong uh, you know twitter um so, but I, th I think this uh, this is also an underlying issue, and that's why I'm concentrating on this. Um, then, of course, I did episodes as I always do. Uh, I called this now issues with modern journalism. Uh, I did episode 119, uh, authoritarian consequences of the pandemic. This is what I was talking about, um, transcending the actual pandemic and basically what happened you know what laws what groundwork got laid there and what they are now getting applied to like other things these um these laws are getting applied to and the problems with that and then episode 126 the scourge of fear-based journalism where i kind of analyzed you know one of the big problems with journalism these days like just massively drumming up stories like this Russian nuke train, which was a complete bullshit story, um, just to scare people, and what that does to our society. Then a new topic that came kind of came up this year is I uh, called it the societal impact of AI technologies. Even though I don't like the term AI, but I'm kind of using it as a shorthand because everybody knows what I'm talking about. Then um, I did episode 131, the new ca cast system, and then episode 134, kind of a reaction on that by a listener or a producer. Uh, specialized idiots where um you know we talk about machine learning and and um and i'm on this podcast not so much talking about you know ai art is it art or what does it mean if if i can do my homework with chat gpt i'm i'm, I'm looking further afield here right i'm i'm looking at what this producer basically um came up with like this idea and i'm going to do more episodes on this of, on this uh, this dystopian future we're looking at it's something that you know in the 70s uh, 60s and 70s and 80s would be in a science fiction novel um but but it's becoming more and more reality where we are creating algorithms that very few people understand that then tell us um what to do and uh tell you know and, and more and more society will be dependent on this um 
I see this as a huge problem be because of things I have discussed, right? Because the people creating these algorithms are the same people creating computer simulations and th thinking the outcome is fact. Um, and they often don't understand the scientific process and they are claiming that, you know, it's not so much the algorithm that's a problem. It's more like the um, they don't understand biases of the data um, that gets filtered in. They don't really understand... Um, the danger to society if you're creating a technocracy that bases everything on like statistics you know what what that does um you know you can you can you can um you can basically uh justify anything with statistics and this is why i learned about statistics in history because people in history did um most specifically the nazis right um if you're just scrupulous enough and if you go the route where like the the majority of you know the 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 uh, the, uh, the good of the many outweighs the good of the few um you can you can justify some very horrible shit and that is very dangerous and i think this is also a topic just like the censorship and the culture wars this ai future this this dystopian ai future um will haunt us and will be a uh, a topic that will follow us on the show for a long time to come. Um, and that kind of ends the kind of topic uh, blocks that I've created. Um, I also did this year, of course, a few in-depth explaining explainer episodes on uh, certain topics. Um, episode 105, uh, Law versus Justice, where do I keep talking about this as well a lot, where I explained, so if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that, where I explained the difference between law, as in, you know, the state trying to create rules that create justice, and what actually, what justice actually is, and that law is, is in the... Um, often has nothing to do with justice and in, in the best cases approaches justice. Um, then I did a similar episode, episode 114, which is also based on, you know, coming out of the Ukraine war, war and justice, where I talked about what I think about international law, war crimes and relations between sovereign states, mostly because lots of journalists um, just use the term international law as, as if that was be, was like a body of law that you have in your country, right? And uh, what the difference is between international law, um, specifically that the downside of international law is that, that very powerful countries, um, specifically that those that win wars, will not get prosecuted under it, right? So um, the, the war crimes that the US committed in World War II were not prosecuted uh, in... Uh, you know, in Nuremberg, right? Then the Nazi war crimes were prosecuted. Uh, the fact that the the Allies bombed German cities, uh, specifically the British, you know, um, in the knowledge that they they had no ability, like they wanted to do night bombing, but had in the beginning, especially, no ability to even detect. Um, they they could barely find cities. They couldn't detect military installations. So they. You know, um, Churchill decided to bomb the civilian population, uh, which is a war crime. It's very clearly a war crime. Um, the Soviets, um, I mean, you know, my side of my family, my grandmother who died this year, uh, uh, came from a part of Germany that is now Poland and had to flee from the Red Army. And the Red Army was perpetuating incredible war crimes. Um, you know, the Nazis were doing it too, of course. Um, and a lot of the uh, Russian war crimes were a reaction to the German war crimes. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying like one's better than the other. I'm just saying that those weren't prosecuted largely before 
you know, um, under international law before a, a tribunal, international tribunal, um, because that's just how international law works. There is no, because, you know, just to sum up this episode, um, in a state, you as a citizen are subject to the law. And there is there is an entity above you, i.e. the state, you know, the courts, the police, that enforces this law on you. With sovereign states, you do not have a higher authority um, that can enforce that law. There are organizations, the UN, there's, you know, the International War Crimes Tribunal, stuff like that. But in the end, sovereign states are not like citizens of, of a state. They have much more freedom and rights. And if they're just big and powerful enough, i.e. if they're in the US, nobody can force them to do anything because they have the biggest military. It's kind of like as if law in a state, you know, in the country you live in was was kind of enforced by the state. But like um, if like the state was armed and you were armed to the same extent, right? If the police didn't have... Um, it's, it's, it's to say it with the U.S. metaphor, if there weren't more people and didn't have better weapons, if everybody just had handguns and, you know, it wasn't the state against the people, but it was a one-to-one, basically. You know, if the police was just one person with a handgun and you also had a handgun, um, then there would be no enforcement of laws um, or, or only on people that actually, you know, got forced by circumstances to submit to this. But if they were powerful enough, um, then then that wouldn't happen. So that's the difference that I was talking about there. Anyway, uh, I also did episode 117, Blockchain Basics, obviously about how blockchains work in preparation of episode 118 because everybody was talking about NFTs, um, non, non-fungible tokens. I called it non-fungible uh, bullshit. And um, yeah, I wanted to explain why I think uh, NFTs are a... A very dumb idea because but because they're based on um on blockchains uh, i had to explain blockchains first um it just as i say this it just occurs to me that talking about the the censorship and culture well, i talked all about that i went on the tangent and didn't talk about the episodes so those episodes and censorship and culture was were episode 107 neil young is being a dick when neil young uh, was advocating for too rogan to be Banned from Spotify and Neil Young left Spotify. Uh, episode 111, Peak Hypocrisy. This is about Facebook deciding who of your friends are extremists and telling you about it. And then um, when doing the right thing actually isn't, which was about Steam, um, the gaming platform, and, uh, you know, uh, culture was there and, and, and um, you know, censorship and self-censorship and what you should put in gaming patch notes and stuff like that. But back to the in-depth episodes, of course, uh, the one on NFTs. Then I did episode 123, electrical network frequency analysis, self-explaining. I explained that concept, which is pretty interesting. And then episode 128, ask the next question, where I explained Theodore Sturgeon's approach to critical thinking, which I think is very important to this podcast and will become a more important um as we go along here, because it will be, I think it's, uh, it'll hopefully become the basis for um, how we do things and how we think about things. And then I also did uh, three, I call them discrete topical episodes on just similar topics that weren't in-depth explainers so much. Episode 108, the biggest security vulnerability of all time, which was about lock for shell um, episode 100, uh, the security vulnerability. Episode 120, driver disenfranchisement in the EU, which was about e-call, ISA, the black box, and EU legislation on cars. 
basically surveillance, why they're doing it, what it does, and why it's idiotic. Uh, and then episode 130, The Planet is on Fire, which was about ev environmentalism and climate change to some extent. Um, and just like um, societal thinking about that. And I think it's some of the traps that um, environmentalists fall into, um, all channeled through George Carlin. Um, and then also also did some special episodes. As I said, took February off, so I didn't do a special uh, two-year anniversary episode but i did some out of the uh you know some 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 other episodes that were out of the ordinary episode 121 bits and bobs part two where i did like another one of these collection episodes where i just did updates on several topics then episode 127 and the special military operation and episode 137 uh interestingly 10 episodes apart i didn't plan that tracking elon's jet uh they're both feedback episodes yeah, and that that was the top that was the topics of this year. Uh, to sum it up, I think basically we had uh, the pandemic being replaced by the war in Ukraine as the big driver for both um, problems in journalism, you know, fear-based journalism and stuff like that, and also the culture war, a big part of of the culture war and of censorship. Uh, of course, a big topic that came up and will stick with that uh, us is Twitter, uh, Elon Musk taking over Twitter and the resulting Twitter files and the resulting revelations into shadow banning and how um, social media platforms actually work and how the FBI is tied into all of this. Drachenlord will be talking about the Drachenlord here and there, but like basically I think the big topics right now are the war in Ukraine, of course, and, and like the culture war censorship and, you know, Twitter files. And then something that will stick with us always is issues in journalism because i'm just very interested in that and then of course ai uh and and machine learning and and what that means um where i'm actually not that much i mean it's kind of so it's cool technology um but um yeah i actually don't find it as fascinating as many other people what i find more fascinating or rather worrying is its impact its long-term impact on our society um which is often again driven by a misunderstanding because you know it's sold as artificial intelligence in marketing and and people are m listening more to the marketing side than to what actual um you know the scientific facts so to speak of what what's going on what these technologies actually do what they can do what they can't do um s stuff stuff like that um so that that's my that's my recap of the year and kind of the outlook for the for the next year as well. Um, right. Um, with that, I've, I've 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 talked about the feedback episodes, which is why we don't have any feedback on this show. But I still want to talk a little bit about feedback in the feedback section. Which, which is basically I want to, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the basically what I want to say is um, I would just want to do a, a, a generic um, appeal for feedback and, and want to reiterate, I say this often, but I think it bears repeating that feedback on this podcast is extremely important to us. 
to us, to me, but to all of us, because it kind of drives where this show is going. And, you know, I have topics that I find interesting, um, but they might not necessarily be the, the topics that you find interesting. Um, but I want to know what topics you find interesting because I might want to cover them. So, so please let me know. If you have ideas, if you know about people that would be willing to come on the show or that you think I should ask, let me know. Um, every So if you go to Private Citizen or Press, there's show notes for every episode. Uh, every uh, every one of those pages has a heading called Producer Feedback and that has details of how to contact me. Uh, so... Uh, so, so please do and with that we are now at the uh, pretty much the end of the show where I you know, say um, last time uh, in this year um, please consider supporting the show um, not only with feedback, but also monetarily. Um, if you get something out of this show, um, this will help me to get it going. Um, decide for yourself uh, how much that is worth to you. And, you know, don't feel bad. If you can't contribute anything, that's completely okay. Otherwise, I wouldn't be giving the show to you for free. Um, that is, comes with no strings attached, including you don't have to feel bad. You know, but if you can chip in and if you get something out of the show... Um, supporting it will kind of um, guarantee that I keep keep going, right? Um, it's not like a hard and fast guarantee because, like you know, more people need to support it. But like, if enough people do, I will definitely um, be able to justify, you know, to building it into my budget and 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 you know, justifying the time. It's um, it will never be as much money, I think, as I get for doing other jobs. But, you know, that is not so important because it's important to me to do it. But, you know, getting some reimbursement uh, helps keep me afloat. And that's very important. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, you know, you know all this if you've been listening to the show. So let's let's just move on and thank everybody. Um, like, details are to do that, by the way. Private citizens are press All in show notes. Um and with that, let's thank all the people that made this the last episode for 2022 a reality. Thank you, Sir Galtaren, Rodane the Insane, Steve Hose, Butterbeans, Michael Small, 1I11G, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Jonathan M. Hetai, Michael Malm Jensen, Dave, Sandman616. By the way, if you want to support the show and you don't want to be in this list, it's also okay. You just like, you know, if you do Patreon, whatever, um, or PayPal, you just send a message and you just say, I don't want to be credited. Completely okay with me. Anyway, Dave, Sandman616, and this happened in the past, so it's, it works. Um, J- Jackie Plage, IKN, Bennett Piata, Rizel, IndieGamingX, Avis, Vlad, Joe Poser, Dirk Didi, Kai Sears, David Potter, Cam, Mika, Mr. Ramish, Robert Forster, Crunkle, Captain Eckhart, RJ Tracy, Rick Bragg, Ricky M, Astral C, Barry Williams, Jonathan, Super User, D... Florian Pigosh and Johan Sonnen, thanks for your support. And also thanks to my Twitch subscribers. Mike Dedane, Jonathan, Jonathan4747, MT Sorrow, Galtaron, Altrestris, Jim, P. Kimer, Mode 7 is unavailable, Redeemer F, and Stupid End User. I will resume Twitch streams. Streams. Screams! Ah! Twitch! Uh, I will resume Twitch streams in the new year. Uh, also, thanks to ByteMark at bytemark.co.uk for providing the service and the bandwidth for the podcast file 
uh, files and thus making it possible that you got this podcast episode. Um, thanks to ByteMark. That's it. That's it for this year. Um, I hope I see you again in 2023. Uh, the theme song for this podcast during this year and also during the coming year uh, will be Acoustic Roots by Raul Kabzali. And I'm now going to play you out with a song called Lord of Likes by Duke Harrington feat, like, featuring Lakasha Nugent. Nugent. Lakasha Nugent. Um, this is a really nice song. I really like that. It was a nice New Year's vibe. So I um, I hope I'll see you again in the coming year. Um, and here's I'm, I'm wishing you a guten Rutsch, as we say in German, a good slide <laughs> into the new year. Um, I hope you had a you had a good Christmas holiday, um, I, and I hope you're you're doing doing well, and you will continue to do so next year. So um, see you soon, everybody. Bye.